Hello and welcome to the scan. We are excited to bring you this episode which is part of the George Institute for Global Health series. The statistics are grim when it comes to menstrual hygiene and environment sustainability. Just to give a quick math, if I'll talk about one woman basically used two pads during her uh, period or menstrual uh, days, uh, using around eight to ten pads weekly. That that's into twelve months. Uh, that's around one twenty pads. And if you are around thirty, uh, then and you started your menstrual hygiene or m- menstruation around fourteen, you have been menstruating for sixteen years. into 120 that mean 1920 pads you have been using and by science uh, each pad takes around 500 to 800 year to uh, break down or decompose that mean your 1920 pads are still on the earth in that case why i'm talking for the number it is very very uh, important to talk about number or give some tangible thing when we are talking or engaging at community level we tell them that this is the number of fad you have been used uh, and using and it's still on earth this is kamal he is a founder of good universe a non-profit that works at the intersection of climate change health and gender for the past 6 years the increasing use of one time sanitary products such as sanitary pads has increased the concern about the environment there is a need to ensure adequate post use treatment and disposal solutions for such products hi i am meenaka rao in this episode of the scan we will discuss environmentally friendly menstrual hygiene practices this is the second in the two part series on menstrual hygiene management which is vital to the promotion of women's health In the previous episode we discussed the need to remove the stigma around menstruation which in turn can help girls and women make informed choices related to the products they use depending on their requirements and also ensure that they are environmentally sustainable Dr JK Lakshmi a senior research fellow with the George Institute recently anchored a discussion on sustainable menstrual hygiene practices with experts such as Kamal who we heard from earlier Dr Arundhati Murlidharan who is a public health professional who works on the issue of menstrual health lakshmi also spoke to archana sali an it professional and amruta suresh who has written a book on menstrual cups what is important to first decode is the notion that only sanitary pads are hygienic studies that look at girls and women using hygienic products only mean to say using disposable sanitary pads lakshmi says this kind of classification is problematic there seems to be very little or even no interrogation of how menstrual hygiene management products are classified as hygienic and unhygienic so the label hygienic is applied to disposable sanitary pads and uh, anything uh, that's not disposable that's reusable is considered unhygienic but this kind of classification i mean that all disposable products are hygienic and all reusable products are unhygienic does not consider adequately the way things are uh, processed and how they are treated and it doesn't even really examine the composition the levels of permissible or non permissible contaminants and how a product has been manufactured so without uh, taking all of this into account and and of course the last thing which hardly anyone seems to take into account is the environmental cost so to call something hygienic which really means healthy without taking all this into consideration is really a very inconsiderate kind of labeling 
And uh, as Arundhati said, a disposable product is not automatically hygienic because you might say, okay, this thing is manufactured in a way that is generally safe uh, for close contact with the human body, but it needs to be able to hold or absorb whichever it is. Like if it's a cup, it's holding. And if it's a pad, it's absorbing the menstrual discharge and it needs to be used appropriately. So a product is not hygienic or unhygienic on its own merit. Its practice can be hygienic or unhygienic to prevent bodily discomfort and the flourishing of microbes and infections and so on. So it's not truly hygienic if it doesn't fulfill all those roles. Conversely, there may be a reusable product that is automatically considered unhygienic by many. But if it is made of a material that's safe for contact with the body and it can hold or absorb the discharge uh, at uh, and is changed at a frequency that it provides comfort, doesn't promote the development of pathogens, is cleaned well between uses and is not shared among people, it is truly hygienic. And it's also reusable, which means it clearly has a lower impact and lower adverse impact on the environment. So in that sense, it's clearly healthier. So we need to think a little deeper about this. Rather than classifying products, we should be classifying practices as healthy and unhealthy. The notion has seeped down to all levels, from policymakers to scholars to community level. Kamal says, that the notion that reusable menstrual products are unhygienic is hard to shake off. So it has been a common concern and belief that reusing a sanitary product is unhygienic. And uh, many menstruators uh, cringe at the idea of washing a used cloth pad and then reusing the same for the next cycle. And that has been very difficult to convince uh, community women to or adolescent girls to co- convert to or take sustainable menstrual practices. The George Institute is conducting a study related to menstrual hygiene among girls and women. The study is called Perspectives, Practices and Environmental Footprints Related to Menstrual Hygiene Among Girls and Women in India. Lakshmi said that for the study, they also collaborated with environmental scientists to assess menstrual hygiene products. Our uh, environmental scientist collaborators have uh, informed us that when they compared the practices that we uh, found in our study And although we found uh, about 13 distinct uh, sequences of practices, uh, they compared uh, four products and their associated practices. The products and practices were commercially available disposable sanitary pads, the ones which have plastic and so on. Uh, So the one-time use pads. Uh, There was another practice which was disposable cotton pads, by which they mean that there is cloth, fresh cloth used. And once it's used and it collects the menstrual discharge, it is thrown away. So... uh, The cloth here is not actually manufactured for this process. You use a fresh cloth and once it's uh, used, it's it's thrown away. Like a one-time use pad would be. So that's the second practice. The third practice was reusable cloth pads, which are used for many, many months. And then the fourth practice was the menstrual cup, which is used for many years. So in assessing these, the carbon emissions, that's to say carbon dioxide emissions, in the sourcing, manufacture, use and disposable, in two scenarios was uh, studied. The two scenarios were one, uh, a landfill, and two, in incineration. And uh, the environmental scientists also assessed uh, freshwater use that all these processes entail. And what they found was that the menstrual cup is the hero uh, as far as uh, environmental impact is uh, concerned. The menstrual cup has a very, very small environmental footprint, both in terms of the carbon dioxide emissions and the freshwater that's used in the processes. 
that come in mainly because the menstrual cup is a very small and it can be used repeatedly for years so it's it's really the most uh, friendly to the environment of the four practices that were studied the next practice the next friendly practice that is to say was the reusable cloth pads which are becoming just a bit more popular and giving us some cause for optimism and after this comes the commercially available sanitary pad which is the source of many issues and the last one the least environmentally friendly of the lot is the one time use cotton cloth so initially when we received this information it came as a bit of a shock because i think we may be tuned to believe that cloth is always uh, more environment friendly than a commercially available sanitary pad which has undergone industrial processes and uh, has plastic and so on but uh, uh, this is because when you think of a cloth that's produced uh, like cloth for your clothing or linens or something like that you take that cloth and you use it and reuse it and use it for ages and after that you uh, cut it up and stitch it into a pad or uh, fold it up into uh, a pad that you use uh, it, it's it's different it's not like all that manufacturing all that industrial process has gone into just one use for a few hours and then you throw it away so uh, a lot of fresh water has gone into it and a lot of uh, uh, miles have gone into it also in transporting and selling and buying the cloth so if it's going to be thrown away after one use fresh cloth being thrown away after one use in a landfill or incinerated it's extremely expensive in environmental terms we need to make sure that the cloth that we use is not fresh cloth that's used just once we really need to be uh, using and reusing and at the end of the life that was meant for that cloth it moves to being a uh, a menstrual hygiene uh, menstrual absorbent and uh, then used and uh, reused many more times and then finally it gets thrown away amruta suresh who's written an ebook on menstrual cups speaks about its benefits i would highly recommend if people switch over to the menstrual cup i mean it's a bit of a learning curve but once you uh, once the person gets used to it it's like you forget that you are on your periods because it is so effective that little cup and then even the cramps those of us who have had to suffer really bad cramps even that i don't know because there is no cramps also in the pilot study the researchers found out that people did not think much about physical environment with respect to menstrual hygiene we know that it figured uh, quite highly in some people's thoughts so much so that they were moved to find out and change their practice to be more in tune with the environment but the majority of people we came across in our study had not thought about what their menstrual hygiene choices uh, do to the environment and they uh, rather naively supposed that you know it's got to be bad but we have no other option or again naively it can't be all that bad if it was somebody would have done something about it convincing people about using environmentally friendly menstrual hygiene products is not easy Kamal said that to advocate at the community level one has to involve both men and women and talk about the benefits other than just the environment and health we can't just randomly tell or why don't you convert to cloth pad uh, and or uh, menstrual cup because they do not have the privilege or uh, maybe we are very privileged to take decision to buy any product for us or buy any product of our choice but when you work in a community rural or tribal area the majority of the decision or the most of the decision taken by the head of the family and that is most likely you know uh, you know in a man 
and involving them in the program, making them understand about certain aspect of sustainable menstrual practices is very, very important, equally to working with women. So we try to involve or we try to not segregate gender when we're talking about uh, menstrual hygiene. We intentionally design our program such a way that we can work with the community leader, the religious uh, leader in the certain uh, community. So to convert this um, certain uh, people who are you know, have been uh, using a one-time use product, we always talk about three different aspects. One is the economical, though for us, uh, environmental and health aspect is much more important. But if for a community person who is menstruating, it is very much important to understand the economical aspect of it. Because when you talk about cloth pad, uh, they or we talk about menstrual cup, they always think that it will cost you so much, uh, the, uh, I can't afford it. So we try to make them understand the economical benefit of uh, using sustainable product like menstrual cup or cloth pad. At the same time, I must say that we do not impose our idea. We just give them information uh, that, okay, when you would use menstrual cup, it's sustain at least seven to eight years and you can save this much of amount. Or if you are converting to cloth pad, then you can save this much of amount from your daily expenses. And that seems to be very catchy for the community people. And second point is the health. We talk or try to make them understand what all benefit you get while or when you are using sustainable mental product, products. And that will definitely add on to your health and your family health also. And the third point we try to talk about the processes rather than giving them or the, telling them okay use cloth pad from this company this brand or just uh, take our product uh, we try to talk about a, a process of menstrual hygiene or like cloth pad how they can create or make their uh, menstrual hygiene product at their home making them understand ki, okay you need to find mainly a cotton uh, cloth and make it clean keep it um, in a safe place just dry it in a um, open space where you have enough sunlight enough air uh, and also the proper washing of the cloth so that make them or uh, have them a better understanding of the processes and it feels or they connect that, okay, we can make this cloth pad at our home that is more feasible for us. The same cloth they have been using for the last 10 years, but it is more uh, process-oriented that how they can make it more clean and keep it clean, dry it in uh, open space where they have enough air and uh, you know sunlight. So these are the main aspects we work and try to convince or talk to uh, the community people when we try to talk about sustainable menstrual uh, programs or practices in, in slums or rural areas. For understanding environmentally friendly ways to practice menstrual hygiene, we need to understand what happens after the sanitary product is used. In case of one-time use products, that is critical. Lakshmi and her colleagues interviewed women and girls for the pilot study. She talks of the different ways in which people dispose of their one-time sanitary products. So what we found was popular in uh, products and practices uh, for menstrual hygiene management. The champion by and large was the disposable sanitary napkin that is sold uh, commercially. People even gave us brand names which I'm not going to list now. Uh, and the post-use treatment and disposal were really very interesting because there's a wide range. Uh, we came across uh, no fewer than 13 different uh, practices, which included wrapping in paper and then in plastic. 
and then uh, disposing of the wrapped used pad in household garbage or in a dustbin that's meant only for menstrual waste or outside like in a dump or dumping it on the road or in a drain or something usually a place that is uh, not very publicly uh, visible and there were other practices like rinsing the used pad and then wringing it out and then wrapping it in paper and plastic and then disposing of it uh, sometimes open burning that is take a match and light the the bag in which you have collected the pads or uh, use kerosene to uh, light the pad so that you have an open flame there sometimes incineration that's if people had access to an incinerator which was not uh, common in other situations uh, people buried the pad very shallow burying just dig up a little bit of mud and put the pad there and uh, put a little bit of mud over it again or uh, hide the pad under a, a few rocks or something like that or dump it in an open drain or in uh, public lands uh, and this entailed getting to a place where you could throw away a used pad without being observed by anyone so this means usually in the night or in some kind of uh, stealthy manner dump the pad in a place where when nobody observes it and so the place is automatically not really very safe and then they get back home so uh, these were the kinds of things uh, that were done for uh, disposable menstrual absorbents and for anything that was absorb uh, reusable such as the folded cloth or stitched uh, cloth pads uh, women and girls uh, reported that they washed and dried them and reused them and for the menstrual cup they washed and reused and sterilized the menstrual cup at the end of each period so a wide range of post use treatment and disposal mechanisms while we are discussing disposal of sanitary waste arundhati says that we need to also think about the health of women and girls who are using it disposal is critical to look at if we are looking at one time use products for several reasons one is i know that a lot of people take the environment route that the disposal of plastic uh, of of sanitary pads which are mostly plastic uh, or, or have a high proportion of plastic is detrimental to the environment both land water and if you burn these pads to the air as well agree that's one concern an environmental concern a valid one but the other side is also the user's health that girls and women who don't have access to disposal solutions tend to use a pad for much longer you're not using it for the recommended 6 or 8 hours you're using it for 12 hours 15 hours 24 hours simply because you do not have a dustbin or somewhere to throw it and that is problematic so the whole point of introducing a pad because it helps us with our health and hygiene is kind of countered when we're using a safe product in an unsafe and an unhygienic manner so yes environment is important but i think for for me more important is the health of all menstruators who are using any kind of product and how the usage of that product and the disposal of that product is done safely is done hygienically is done in a way uh, that our health is is maintained so i think that's a that's a big concern the problem of disposal is a complex one and there are several options this is arundhati again now with disposal it's a big conundrum it's a very complex issue we get to understand it we don't have the perfect solution um and the way i look at disposal or and waste management downstream is in three kind of buckets we we need to kind of reduce the waste we can sterilize the waste make it less infectious and then you can kind of transform waste so it's easier to handle uh and this is something that we've borrowed from the solid waste movement and solid waste solutions so if we're looking at reducing waste other products alternative products or reusable products are very much a part of the waste management solution Most of the solutions in India especially with the governmental and non-governmental programs center around the use of incinerators. 
we've seen incinerators are a big part of the menstrual waste solution, uh, especially for several government programs and also for several non-government programs. Now, incinerators are a quick fix. You can buy a machine, put it in a public toilet, community toilet, school toilet, office toilet, or any kind of toilet that is used by multiple users. You put your pad in there, it burns, done. You're, you're done with the waste. But is it really that simple? Incinerators are not a one-size-fits-all. They're not just one type of machine. We have so many different types of incinerators. And we also have a lack of regulatory standards for all types of incinerators. However, what we are seeing is the preponderance of kind of small-sized incinerators, small ones that are burning 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 pads. These are not your large industrial size. These are going to fit into to toilet settings, toilet complexes. This is where the thing starts getting messy because they, they don't have set standards for design, set norms for emission controls, and, and you can just install them. And what we've seen, and I've seen personally, is I've been to some of these community toilets turned on that incinerator with waste in it, and the fumes are all over the bathroom. So that, again, we're solving one problem. Okay, let's get, up the med- let's get rid of menstrual waste. But you're creating another problem of very toxic fumes being in an environment where people are breathing them in, whether it's a girl or a woman or a caretaker or a cleaner. This is not acceptable. And we need to make sure that incinerator technologies, while a part of the solution, must be safe. We need to push for standards so that those safety mechanisms are in place. We've seen too many schools where incinerators break down in six months. Uh, and then just they lie unused. I've been to an ashram shala where, which had an incinerator and I asked the warden that where is the incinerator and she took me to her room and she said, Yera. and it was an incinerator that was stuffed with pads. It had stopped working and, and they couldn't even take the pads out. They were this small incinerator, like had a capacity of burning like 10 to 15 pads at one go. It had been lying there for a year, stuffed with pads, smelling because the pads had not been removed completely dysfunctional and they had to keep it there just in case someone come and checked you know we installed an incinerator we spent six thousand seven thousand rupees where is it so i think that we need to think about these solutions a little more arundhati discussed some other solutions related to sterilizing waste which is a relatively new area the second is these whole uh, solutions for sterilizing waste and this is a very new area for us in india and globally um very much experiment that we're seeing these solutions. This involves the use of any kind of chemical treatments that kind of dissolve the pad, like separate the cellulosic material from the plastic um, so that it's easier to handle. You've also got autoclave treatments that may sterilize a a blood-soaked pad that make it easier to handle for people who are handling this waste. Um, So I think these are also considerations, but these are very experimental technologies. The one that we know that is kind of entering the commercial market is an innovative technology where they collect sanitary pads and they have a machine which kind of does many things. It reduces odor, it sterilizes it, and it kind of processes the pad uh, into kind of components that then can then be recycled and reused. So they've got a slightly forward-looking mechanism that it's not simply treating, but how can we use the byproducts of treating this waste? And it doesn't involve any burning. It's, it's all kind of chemical treatments and, and other kind of technologies that they apply to kind of dissolving these pads and getting those byproducts out. Now, some of us have been working towards non-burn solutions that where incinerators are not possible in areas that have intermittent electricity supply. What can we do? And here's where we can look at other solid waste solutions like composting, deep burial, vermicomposting. 
very experimental because we're not really sure how they'll work with regular pads which have a bit of plastic in it and other kinds of chemicals if you're looking at these scented pads and SAP pads. But we have been trying to do some experiments. How safe is that decomposed material? What's the level of chemicals, plastic, and other important kind of parameters that we want to measure? What vermicomposting is used for kitchen waste, that you use these worms and you put them in their wormy beds and you actually feed them with pads and wet waste from kitchens. Um, and it has worked very well in experiments in Nepal, but works well only with pure cotton cloth pads, pure cotton cloth pads, not synthetic pads. And it only works with purely compostable pads. Otherwise, worms themselves don't do well when you have SAP pads is laden with chemicals. Um, so we've got some experimental technologies and we need to figure out how can we experiment more, learn more, come up with alternative solutions. And of course, not forget that a part of the solution lies in giving girls, women, menstruators informed choice on the type of products they'll use. Having discussed all the different environmentally sustainable menstrual hygiene practices, we need to remember that different women live in different kinds of circumstances. It is not always possible for some women to switch to environmentally friendly menstrual hygiene practices. This is Lakshmi again. Any practice requires some base conditions and some resources. So in an optimistic world, when we say, hey, we all need to move to environmentally sustainable menstrual hygiene management practices, Everyone should use this reusable thing. What's the problem? They just have to sterilize it or wash it or do something and use it again. What's the problem? Why can't everyone just get on with this more environmentally friendly practice? But to do that, you actually need some civic amenities. You need water supply. You need toilets. Uh, you need a place to clean and uh, products to clean. You need, a, you need soap. You need a clean place in which uh, to wash uh, and dry and change a menstrual absorbent and if it's a menstrual cup you need a place to and equipment to sterilize it or just keep it dry and store it if it's a reusable cup you need to or a, a piece of cloth that you've used or a stitched pad that you use you need to dry it ideally sun dry it and then you need to store it in a cupboard or in a private place and many people do not have all these resources so it's completely inappropriate and in fact quite insensitive to ask some people to do this to practice this uh, menstrual hygiene uh, management technique, which is not in their control. So this is a message also for anyone who's engaging in, in provision for uh, girls and women who do not have these civic amenities. So if you're pro providing someone with a reusable menstrual hygiene management product, you need to make sure that they have all the conditions that are required that are essential to its proper use. Otherwise, it's not sensitive to uh, provide them with such pads and you should in fact uh, provide girls and women who do not have these amenities with an easier to use disposable pad, perhaps an environmentally friendlier pad, like a compostable pad, but a one-time use pad because they really do not have the resources it takes to reuse a product. And then, of course, take the trouble that it takes to, to make sure that they get the civic amenities that they need so that they can then move on to a reusable menstrual hygiene management product. There's a lot that each of us can do, menstruators and their near and dear ones, with agency and resources, governments and NGOs and innovators. Lakshmi has a few appeals to make. It would be really wonderful if the section of uh, society that we hope this podcast reaches, uh, the section of society that has the agency, uh, the autonomy and that influence, would proactively take up choices, menstrual hygiene management choices 
and promote menstrual hygiene management choices that clearly require a little bit more effort. But you can make that effort. And you know, once that effort becomes a habit, there's nothing to think about. It'll, it will just flow naturally. You have your own rooms and bathrooms and clothes lines and sterilizers and sunlight. Uh, not that you, you actually need to pay for sunlight. I'm saying sunlight because there are people who really cannot make use of sunlight. They can't make use of sunlight because it's too embarrassing to hang a used menstrual hygiene product out there in the sun and have people look at it. But that's for people who have to face these kinds of uh, cultural and social constraints. Many people don't. So, so those who don't have to face these kinds of constraints can actually afford to use the sunlight and display that pad. And if anyone looks at it, far from being an embarrassing thing, it is, it's a good thing. It's a good thing because people can see that you're using reusable pads and get inspired. So a message to all decision makers who have agency, who have autonomy is please proactively take up things which are better for the environment, uh, better for uh, menstruators themselves and uh, propagate these things. For government and NGO programs that promote the use of disposable pads, we really need to promote the use of disposable pads at the moment for disadvantaged populations who do not have access to civic amenities and do not have community support to practice what they might want to practice. And when you're looking at disposable pads, uh, the best way to go right now is the uh, least expensive environmentally uh, friendly option first, and then to move towards better and better uh, sustainable options. So to start with supplying compostable pads, if you must supply disposable pads, and then ensure that their uh, manufacture is done in a socially and economically equitable manner, and then move on to reusable uh, products, not one-time use products. And when, when we think about this, we have all kinds of co-benefits uh, that we accrue. So here you have a pad that's healthier for you. And uh, if people are able to change it often and uh, protect their personal health, and it's better for the environment. And it's also doing something for the economic health of the people who are involved in these industries of manufacture, of post-use composting, and so on. And, and of course, uh, as has been mentioned already, money talks. And everyone who has uh, been discussing this so far has spoken about affordability and economics and so on. So government and funders really should be encouraging innovations in this area by supporting production and by subsidizing the manufacture and purchase of uh, menstrual hygiene management products and practices and uh, amenities that support them and that are good for uh, the health of uh, menstruators and the health of the environment and the health of uh, communities, the economic and social health of communities. Make sure you subscribe to The Scans so you don't miss any episode. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.